Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the second sermon in our church's Victory in Jesus series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click on Watch Worship Online. Well, good morning. Happy Sunday after Easter. Thank you, worship team and tech team and all the teams that work on Sunday and throughout the course of the week doing ministry through life of the church, serving God and serving others. Thank you. Thank you. Well, my name is Chris Stallings. It's my privilege to get to be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. We're in our series entitled Victory in Jesus. And I I say this, but I think it's an obvious statement. No one likes to lose. But on that first Easter weekend between Friday and Sunday, those who had followed Jesus closely, it felt like all of God's glory, it had been defeated. That they lost it all. But then Sunday came, and Jesus is Risen. And the truth of that empty tomb and the resurrection of Jesus gives us a promise and a hope of a future. That even whenever there is a sorry circumstance in life, that we have the promise and hope of Jesus. Victory when circumstances in your life may feel impossible. Our key verse that's guiding us through this series that began last Sunday and goes through the end of April is from Psalm 118, verse 15. And it reads, Songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. Today, victory in Jesus to endure. Victory in Jesus to endure. Do you feel like things don't last like they used to? Anybody? I feel that way with TVs. (laughs) Do y'all remember, anybody remember having a 19-inch TV? Do y'all remember those? So 10 years after I graduated, wait, anybody still got their 19-inch TV? (laughs) I remember 10 years after I graduated college, I went back home. I'd been going back home regularly, but it's like 10 years later. And I went home, and my parents still had the 19-inch TV that they bought when I started elementary school. So they lasted 20 or 30 years, right? Well, according to USA Today article I read this last month, our modern LED TVs, if you run them like where they're bright and stuff, they only may last four or six years, Right? It seems like stuff doesn't last like it used to. But, you know, if there's a benefit to the manufacturer or to the store that's selling it for something to last, they make it last, right? So like the food we buy, it helps the store out for it to stay on the shelf a long time until it sells. So they cram it full of preservatives. Did y'all remember seeing this doctor who posted a picture of the Happy Meal that was two years old? And it looked just like the one they bought that day. <laughs> did y'all, it didn't rot or decay, and it looked about like it did whenever it was originally served. But not even our food that is filled with preservatives lasts forever. I was at a previous church where I served, and we had a church-wide food drive. 
You know, where we invited people to go buy canned goods or to clean out your cabinets and donate to those that may be hungry? Well, a few folks took the clean out your cabinets too literally, and they just threw it all in the bucket and brought it to the church. And the lady that was sorting it out, you know, the beans here and the rice there, found a can of beans that on the end, you know what a can is, right? It's cylindrical and flat on the ends. The ends were as round as the middle. Like it had swolled up. You know what I mean? And I was like, something's not right with that, she said. And she, Can you believe? And so we didn't have the courage to open it to see what was inside it. But we did find the expiration date. Now this was in 2014. You know what the expiration date was? 2002. Somebody gave that to the church and to somebody that would be hungry. Like, here, have our best. Don't do that. Right? But anyway, I say all that and say stuff, even whenever it's meant to last, it seems like it can't last forever. But if something is important to us, we want it to last. Right? If we want to be married, we want to have a marriage, a good marriage, and have it last. We want to have a good job and have it last. We want to have a good truck and have it to last. The same, I would say, is of our faith and our spiritual journey. We want it to be true and meaningful and to have it last, to endure. But if you're new to faith, or maybe if you're not, I'll share a secret. The devil doesn't want it to last. Anybody got an amen? Right? Like he's fighting you. Like the moment you take a little step forward towards Jesus, it's like there's all this attack and this junk. Right? The devil will throw temptation at you, trying to get you to sin to make your faith not last. The devil will throw dysfunction and disorganization, disunity into the church, into your family, trying to make your faith not last. The devil will work in everything. His goal is to try to make your faith not last. But God wants your faith to be both fulfilling and to see it endure through the best of times and especially in the worst of times. When life comes at you, you know what I mean? Like comes at you through sickness, through grief, through disappointment. If I know anything about following Jesus, I believe it's in those times Jesus wants to have the deepest, most meaningful relationship with you. And so today we're going to look at a passage from the book in the Bible called First Peter. That talks about having a relationship that will endure. If you got your Bible, I invite you to take it out or to turn it on. First Peter is in the New Testament. It's way over yonder towards the end. If you got a printed Bible, you have to go almost to the end. Anybody know what the end book is in the Bible? Revelation. So if you go there, you're going too far, but come back. It's, but it's close to that end. First Peter is a book we call an epistle. Epistle. It's a letter written by one of the apostles to help guide and encourage the church. It's written by Peter, who himself had experienced persecution as a witness to what they did to Jesus when they arrested him, when they put him on trial. 
when they tortured him and when they crucified him or executed him by hanging him on a cross. But Peter had also seen the power of God in the resurrection of Jesus. And so Peter had seen the bad times and the good times. And if you follow Peter's journey through the Gospels and the the New Testament, you see him being like, oh, I don't think I can go on. And now he's like, oh my goodness, I see God's power. I'm like, oh, in. In fact, Peter in his own journey experienced persecution. And so he's writing this letter to help encourage the church to equip them to withstand persecution. The churches who would have received this letter were in what's known as Asia Minor, which is in what we know today as Turkey. So if, if Jerusalem is to the south, Turkey had been kind of to the north and maybe I think to the uh, west a little bit. And so he's writing to a church or a number of churches who are facing persecution or being ostracized, not only because they believed in the name of Jesus, because they took a stand about a moral right and a moral wrong in a culture that was going, well, you know, about the basket, right? And so they were facing persecution for the name of Jesus and because they said, hey, we believe you're supposed to live different than just any old way. And so Peter writes this letter, what we're going to read, to encourage that church. I'm going to read out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9. So if you've got your Bible, I'm going to read the New Living Translation. If you can switch to the NLT version, you'll read along word for word. The word should also be on the screen. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 begins. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with a great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that's kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Verse 6, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remain strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Verse 8, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you have not seen him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. Well, in verse 4, we see Peter begin to offer his reassurance that you're going to get an inheritance, right? Y'all know about inheritance. It's something you'll get in the future, but you don't have right now. But there's hope in an inheritance. It may not be something you fully see or hold or experience today. But it is nonetheless held securely. And Peter says, your inheritance is from God and it's held securely in heaven. 
To be inherited at the culmination of this age. In other words, your resurrection as you are a follower of Jesus. Peter uses some words to describe that inheritance. Priceless, undefiled, without decay. The low inidia lexicon of the Greek New Testament. Those original Greek words. Y'all going to say these with me. Actually, I should just invite one of my teachers to come up here and read this for me. <laughs> Aphrartos. Let me just say, that's imperishable. It means without decay. So your inheritance is not going to rot. So if anybody expects an inheritance from your parents and they're spending it all, right, that's decay. Jesus is saying, or Peter's saying that the inheritance you have in Jesus won't decay. He's not going to spend it all. It's going to be there for you. It won't decay. Another word he uses to describe that is amiantos. Amiantos? Am I getting that right? Greek scholars. Man, those are hard to say. I'm glad I grew up in Alabama. <laughs> That's undefiled or pure. It has to do with the moralness of something. Like it's perfect. See, your inheritance in Christ that you'll receive at the end of this age is perfect. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. Third word says it's kept or won't fade away. Emerantos, the Greek word. Pertaining to or not losing the wonderful or pristine character of something. Retaining is wonderfulness. Man, that's good stuff, right? So it won't get spin or blown away. It won't get defiled. It won't become immoral or corrupt. And it will maintain its beauty. So your inheritance in Christ will be there. Like a safe deposit box in heaven with your inheritance there. In other words, the promised inheritance in Christ is a priceless one. One that is worth the wait even whenever you have to go through some garbage. Even when you can't see Jesus, you know he's real. The New Interpreter's Bible Commentary says it this way. Hope lives because it's based in Jesus. His resurrection from the dead, his triumph over death. Hope lives because death cannot overcome it. Hope lives because even in the face of tribulation, it does not back down or grow faint. Living hope is hope that gives life. Living hope is hope that gives life. In other words, you may have some garbage in your life now, but you can have a life because you know that your inheritance is over yonder. Right? And it's good, and it will be there. So let's look now at this passage and how we can have victory to endure when we put our faith in Jesus. If you got your worship bulletin, I invite you to take it out now. There's a place for you to follow along with these points. You can take notes, fill in the blank, have the answers for what you face in life, maybe even this week. Number one, endure through temporary trials. Endure through temporary trials trials. Verse 6 says, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials. You see, this is expressing the truth that there can be two opposite truths, both be true and exist at the same time. You can be glad and you can experience the trial at the 
same time. Jesus told his followers in John 15, 20, since they persecuted me, naturally they're going to persecute you. But verse 6 in this chapter of 1 Peter says that you can be glad in the midst of that. You can know and experience the promise of a joy that will be coming. What is this thing, a good and a bad, existing at the same moment? Anybody ever experienced childbirth? Raise your hand. Only half of you have been born. You've experienced on one side or the other, right? You've either been born or you've even, <coughs> right? Well, I, some of you ladies have experienced the, the process of giving birth. I can't speak to this from my own experience, but I've heard people say it's the most painful yet most joyful event in your life. Anybody attest to that? I got a couple amens, right? At least on the painful part, you've checked out after that. You're like, that's true. But there's joy in that too, right? It's like that with our kids in general, right? It can be painful. It can be joyful all in the same moment. Let me give you another example. If you haven't experienced the birthing process from the top side, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Stop. Move on. <clears throat> Another example. Anybody ever taken the family on a road trip? Right? The whole family in one car. And then here's the thing. God's not fair in how he distributes life, right? It's just not fair sometimes. You have the most kids in the smallest car, and then when all the kids are gone, you can afford the big car, right? So you're traveling hundreds of miles, every kid in a one-and-a-half-door car, you know, or whatever, and you're going hundreds of miles, and for the whole trip, he's touching me. He's touching me, Right? And in that moment of pain and anguish and torture, there's a mutual joy and gladness because everybody's sitting there saying, we're on vacation. <laughs> I'm not at work, right? And there's a hope of a future that when we can just get to the parking lot and give them to Mickey Mouse, it'll all be better, right? And so there's that mutual thing, that truth of having anguish or pain but also a sense of gladness or anticipating joy. Peter reminds us, don't lose sight of your hope in Jesus when you face trials. It is a twofold promise. You will face trials in life. Don't let anybody try to pretend that that's not true. Don't let anybody say, if you follow Jesus, it'll just be all hunky-dory. You will experience trials, but the truth is you will have a promise of Jesus' presence with you through them and with him for eternity. In fact, it's that promise of that hope of future that gets you through the agony of childbirth, so to speak. The agony in life of the road trips, right, or whatever metaphor that may be in your life. It's having that promise of presence of Jesus now and in the future that gives you what you need to endure. Number one, endure through temporary trials. Number two, endure with genuine faith. Endure with genuine faith. Blank there is faith. Verse 7, the first part reads, These trials will show that your faith is genuine 
It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than gold. Have y'all heard the saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder? Y'all heard that? It's true, right? It's true in our life. The person you thought was beautiful, maybe other people didn't, or maybe, you know, whatever in your romantic life, there may be, man, she's perfect for you. I think it's true in our kids, right? You think your kids are the best looking, smartest, I mean, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I know it's true in artwork, right? Some stuff people are like, wow, hmm, hmm. that's very intelligently painted. And you're like, what? What? <laughs> Is that done? I'm reminded in some artwork, the, y'all remember drawing stuff in first grade and taking it home to mom with the crayons or dad? Right? And you go home and mom or dad, most of them, if this wasn't you, I'm sorry, but most mom or dads are like, oh my goodness, it's beautiful. Right? Beauty's an eye of the beholder. Y'all remember that? Right? Maybe you did that as a parent. Put it on the refrigerator. Did you notice they didn't put it on the side that company could see, right? But anyway, beauty's in the Bible. I remember doing those drawings. I remember also moving up in my artistic tools. Do y'all know what this is? Y'all see that? Some of you are like, what? Some of you are like, that was my favorite, Right? An etch-a-sketch. That's what it is if you're in the back. An etch-a-sketch. Do y'all remember this? Let me see if I can still do this. If you turn it a certain way. You can draw stairs with it. <laughs> right? And, and this is where I first knew that I was born to be an architect. Because I could draw stairs perfectly in my etch-a-sketch. Did you know you can draw more than stairs with an etch-a-sketch? Like some people knew how to draw like a circle, you know? So there's a, I don't know what you call them, an artist. Look at this picture on the screen. That is a real thing, an etch-a-sketch where a guy or girl, I don't know which, drew a picture of the Beatles. Y'all remember the band from the, what, 60s maybe? The Beatles, like intricate detail, like their face, their hair, all that stuff on there. In fact... It sold at auction for, can you read that? $15,000. An etch a sketch. Reckon that was his mom bought that for? No. <laughs> but there's one thing about an etch a sketch. Y'all remember this? And it's gone. Imagine you just bought on auction. An etch-a-sketch painting worth $15,000. They pack it up, ship it FedEx to you. He kicks it. I mean, they deliver it to your front door. And you take it out. And it's gone. Right? Enduring with a genuine faith. When something is genuine and worth something, we protect it. Look at this next slide. Y'all know this painting? Shout it out. Mona Lisa. This is the one. I don't know what it was about the Mona Lisa. But everybody just likes Mona Lisa. I don't know if they just, you know, but it's beauty in the, behind, in the eye of many beholders, right? In fact, 
Mona Lisa is protected or displayed at the Louvre Museum in Paris. And I have never been there, but I understand from online articles that it is a behind this multi-layer of bulletproof glass and plastic and glass and, you know, like multiple layers. So they can't, it can't be damaged. And it's inside a steel case behind it. It's reinforced and it can, it's on this like mechanism to where if there's a threat, they hit a button and boom, it goes under into the bunker and it's protected. It's vacuum sealed, I don't know, vacuum sealed, air sealed to where there can't be contaminants and humidity is not just right. So it's preserved for a long, long time. In fact, the Mona Lisa, they say, well, how much is it worth? And they're like, you know, if it sold, it would be selling for over billions of dollars, right? It's basically priceless. And so it, a genuine, real, valuable piece of art, is protected. Listen to what Ephesians 2 says about you. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That means you are beautiful in God's eyes. That on your worst day, you are a child of God. On your best day, you are a child of God. And no matter what they say, God says, you're mine. Amen? And so when you're going through the struggles, God says, I've given you a faith to get you through it because you're mine. You're beautiful. You're a masterpiece. And I'm creating in you or recreating you to be like Jesus, to be perfect like him so that you can do the things I've created you to do. As God's masterpiece, you are priceless. You're more valuable than gold, and it starts and continues in your faith in Jesus. Number two is endure with a genuine faith. Number three, endure for an eternal reward. Endure for an eternal reward. Verse 9 says, The reward for trusting him, that's Jesus, will be the salvation of your souls. Have you ever stuck with something to the end? Because there's times when it's hard to stick with something. Anybody ever jogged? <laughs> right? Woo! I don't know if I can get to the end. Sometimes if you go on like a scavenger hunt, complex clues, but have you ever gotten to the end and the prize be worth something? Right? It's like, man, that's like the pot of gold at the rain, but whatever, right? But life is like that. A romantic relationship some of you have fought for and endured through the tough times. Maybe it was tough just to even get the first date. But then the relationship, you, you endured the ups and the downs. And it's turned into a lifelong marriage. And in the end, it's produced not only that relationship for you, but one that has produced kids and grandkids and all the blessings that that endurance provides. Some of you have stuck through seasons of faith like that, seasons in your church or our church. I'll be honest with you, it was tough to endure through the season of the pandemic when we had to figure out how to gather 
right? How to stream everything online, or we couldn't gather, we could gather. And there's times, even before the pandemic, where we've faced tough transitions in leadership, church decline. But in the course of enduring and remaining faithful and doing the next right thing, God begins to transform us and to transform even our church. And we're experiencing that even in our midst. In this church, and I even believe beyond our church, across many Christian churches. We're experiencing that. Last week we celebrated Easter. We had more people in our church campus for Easter than we've had in seven or eight years. In this service, if I understand right, we had more people in this service, 845 modern service, than we've ever had in this church. But there was tough times. Times where we could just, me and a couple of worship leaders were singing in front of a camera. Now God is working in the lives of you and me and bringing multi-generational ministry and revitalization because she stayed the course, because she did the next right thing. So remember on your journey in life, remember on your faith journey, you will face hardships. The devil is absolutely going to fight you with temptation, with discord, to even doubt God's faithfulness or even if the end result is worth it just remember that the promise of eternity or heaven with god await you for your ultimate salvation it's in that you will receive the ultimate healing if your body seems to be failing you you will receive your ultimate reward if it feels like every system is failing you you will receive the ultimate relationship if it feels like everyone has let you down. I can try to use earthly adjectives to describe it. I wrote some down. Things like blissful, heavenly, paradise, peaceful, pleasure, or harmony. But 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen. No ear has heard, and no mind has even imagined the good that God has prepared for those who love him. No, that is the promise of God for you and for everyone who puts their faith in Jesus and follows the course. Keep the faith. Rely on God's work in your life to refine your faith and lean into that hope and promise of a future that's beyond our imagination. The presence of Jesus with you here and now and for eternity. Endure for your eternal reward. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the blessing of relationship with you through Jesus. Thank you for the, the good news, the best news in salvation offered through the power and resurrection of Jesus. God, I pray that you will be pouring that out to us as we seek to follow you and endure through the life that sometimes feels like the, the long car trip. The loss, the grief, the hurt. God, give us the hope, even the gladness of your promise in the present age 
we look to the future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.